Welcome to Passion Life Church. Well, good morning, Passion Life Church. Come on, let's give it up for Jesus because he's worthy of all of our praise, of our breath. Thanks for coming to church today. Some of you are on spring break. Your kids are on spring break. That's why you look so disheveled, I understand. When kids are home, it's a little tough. Can I hear a good amen from the, from the parents? And uh, they're like, when does school begin? You're like, oh, no, it's Monday. What? We got a whole week of this, you know? And I, I know. And, and uh, so thanks for coming to church. Just want to give you a couple of quick things. I know that Zach did it, and he did a great job, and our worship team is, is doing a great job. But just two weeks till Easter, and I want to tell you, it is the greatest opportunity for us as the church to reach out to our community and let people know that they're is a God that loves them and that the cross equals love. And I'll tell you what, you're attending a church today. We will do anything short of sin to get people into heaven. Come on, somebody. And uh, we're doing an Easter egg hunt with 10,000 eggs. How many of you know that the method is not sacred, but the message is what is sacred? And so people will come. People in this community love the Easter egg hunts. And so we're doing it, 10,000 eggs. And I just want to empower you. Let's invite some people, 72 to 75% chance that people will give their lives to Christ. Why wouldn't you invite somebody? Well, Pastor Phil, there's some people I just don't like. Well, pray for them, but invite them. How many of you know they need Jesus, and that, that's what will change their, their life and their hearts? And then Superhero Day will be the next Sunday. We're going to have jumpers. We want to dress your kids uh, in superhero costumes. And, and I was like, hey, I told my son, I said, Gavin, what are you gonna, what hero are you gonna dress like on superhero day? And he said, Dad, I want to dress like you because you're my hero. Wouldn't that have been awesome if he would have said that? But he didn't say that. He didn't say that. He wants to put on some red tights and be Spider-Man. And so so here's what I want you to do on April 28th. Get your kids some, some great costumes, and uh, it's going to be a great time. And uh, Batman will be here, Wonder Woman. They're taking a break from filming the, the, the Justice League. Spider-Man here will be here from that other universe that we don't like, um, the Avengers. And, uh, but uh, he will be here, and it, a great time. And let me just encourage you, come to church. We have some great things, a great way to, for you to connect. Are you excited to be in God's house today? Amen. Come on, let's give him a better round of applause than that. Today we conclude this amazing series called Bring on the Blessing. Come on, would you say that with me? Say, bring on the blessing. You know, as a pastor, I love seeing God's people walk in the blessings of God. I love what I do. I love when I see people and hear testimonies of people walking in God's blessing. How many of you as parents, how many parents do we have in the house today? If you're a parent, lift your hand. All right, cool. How many of you love to give your kids things and watch them be blessed? And, and, uh, and I think that's amazing. But can you imagine how much more God loves? You know, Matthew 7, 11 says this. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask? Could I just ask for a little more light up here, uh, please? Uh, I'd, I'd appreciate it. Thank you. I love that the Bible says, how much more will God, you being evil, in other words, as much as we love our kids, compared to what God, right, wants to give us, he's like, how much more does God want to bless us? And you know what we've been saying throughout this series is that God wants to pour out his blessings. Can I hear a good Amen. 
But God is not a respecter of persons. God is a respecter of his principles. And I hope that we are helping you walk through because God does want to bless you. But here's the truth. Those that will walk in his principles will see the blessing. In part one, you know, we talked about and we settled the ownership issue. God is the owner. We do not own anything. Every good thing comes from God. We are managers. We are stewards. You are a manager. And, uh, you know, you say, well, Pastor Phil, I've never managed anything. I don't want to manage anything. Can I just tell you, you are a manager, even of your own body. You know, the Bible says that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We've got to manage this temple. Some of us have, right, thinner temples. Come on, somebody. Some of us have fluffier little temples, right? But here's the goal. I'm not going to go down that route, but the, the goal is to be healthy. Why? And to manage your, your temple. You are a manager, and I hope that you would see that. And God has given us his business, right? I asked part one, how many of you are business owners, right? Let me ask that again. How many of you are business owners? Let me see your hand. Every hand should go up. You know why? Because God has taken his business and made it yours. You are a business owner. Let me try that again. How many of you are a business owner? You have God's business and he entrusts that to mankind. And then in part two, Robert Morris helped us, and we talked about the principle of first. When we put God first in our finances and in our life, everything else will fall into place. And then last week, we talked about overcoming the poverty mentality. And really what we did is we exposed the fear of lack that so many of us maybe have even grown up with or have. And a great message. And this morning, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2, verse 4. I've entitled today, Making the Change. Making the change, little pun intended there, and um, making the change, Genesis chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. You know, when God created the earth, he wanted sons and daughters that would manage. As a matter of fact, when he put Adam and Eve on the earth, here's what he wanted. He wanted people, he wanted Adam and Eve to represent him on the earth. Let me say it this way. He wanted Adam and Eve to run the earth like he would run it. And here's what we need to understand about us as children of God. That has not changed. God wants you and I as his children to rule and manage the earth. Pastor Phil, you know the earth is in such chaos. You know what? We need the light and the salt to step up, the children of God, and start to manage this earth like God has said. The Bible says when the righteous rule, the people rejoice, right? But the righteous aren't ruling. And part of that is because we just don't understand. We don't, we're not empowered to understand that God has placed us in this atmosphere, in this earth, to rule and to reign like he would, righteous reign in our life. And so what he wanted is he wanted representatives in the earth. And we've been talking about in this series, Bring on the Blessing, that there's two key components to God's blessing. There's managing well, what you have, being a good steward, and then generosity. It's not just generosity and giving everything away. It's actually managing what you have as well. But listen, it's not just managing what you have as well and not being generous, right? There are some people, right, they're so like OCD and managing every single little thing that they have no room in their life for generosity. And really your generosity is your investment in the future. Your generosity and the seeds that you are planting are really the investment in the future. My church family, these two components go together. Generosity and good stewardship. Would you say that with me? Say generosity, generosity. and good steward. 
Luke chapter 16, verse 10 says this, one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in very much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in very much. In other words, God is telling us, you get what you can manage. That's what you get. You get what you can manage. Listen, I want, I want you to hear this, what God is saying. Listen, he is saying what you are doing right now with what you have is a good indicator of what you're going to do in the future. Some of us really believe that if we had more money, we'd do better. And in actuality, the Bible says you're not going to do better with more money until you start to manage what you have right now. Come on, can I hear a good amen? You get what you can manage. If we have that, let's put that on the screen. You get what you can manage. I want you to see that. I want you to write that down. It's a good indicator. You know, I love, and I worked 20 years with, um, with teenagers, and I counseled parents. And this, this particular verse, Luke 16, 10, if you are a business owner, if you are a parent, this is a great standard for employees. This is a great standard for your kids. Because a lot of parents want to give their kids more, but their kids have not shown that they can manage what they already have. Right? Mom, Dad, I want a car. When am I going to get a car? You will get a car when you can manage your bed. Because if you cannot make your bed, you cannot handle a car. Because a car is much more expensive than a bed. And I will tell you this, falling out of your bed will hurt, but getting into a car accident may kill you. And so I can't put more on you than you are showing me you are willing. Come, oh, this is, this is getting a little deep. I, I hear, I feel the tension already. Like, mm, 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 mm. Well, my parents gave me everything. Well, that was the problem. And I'm telling you, I've seen this. I've seen parents just give things to their kids and their, their kids not have the mental capacity. So when is the question? When do your kids get a, a car? Your kids get a car. You're like, when I can afford one? Well, well, yeah, when you can afford one. But here's the thing. They can get a car when they show you that they're responsible to handle one. And that's different for every age. Listen, this goes into business. I, I look, I'm always looking as our church and our budget's growing and, and we're going to begin to hire staff and different things like that. I'm always looking at how people handle things. And listen, because the Bible even says this in Luke chapter 12, verse 48, it says, for everyone to much is given, much is will be required. And to whom much is committed to him, we will ask more. In other words, even in business, this is why some people are mostly doing all the work because there's a lot of people who can handle a lot. We have Josh is sitting back there and Josh does a great job with our setup team. And, uh, and uh, he not only, yeah, give him a great round of applause. He, he manages the, the setup team and he's got, you know, a, a couple, maybe six, maybe 10 guys that are helping him out. He manages that, but he's also managing the nursery. Come on, somebody. And uh, that's, a, that's a whole nother level. And, uh, and, and Josh just keeps getting more because you know why? He just continues to manage the things that he gets well. He doesn't have to do everything, but he does oversee it well. And you say, Pastor Phil, why are you kind of harping on this management and stewardship? I want to show you in Genesis chapter 2, verse 4, hopefully you found that yet, how important management is to God, right? Look, look at this, Genesis chapter 2, verse 4. I saw this this week, and I just thought, wow, this is so powerful. It says, this is the account of the heavens and the earth. 
that they were created. And when the Lord God made the heavens and the earth, verse five, now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent the rain on the earth and there was no one to work the ground. Listen to this. This is pretty interesting. So God, when he created the earth, he put seeds in the earth. He put seeds for trees, for fruit. All of that he put in the earth. Man, how amazing. Do you know, ladies and gentlemen, that today we are still eating off the same seeds that God, not not the same seeds, but we are eating off the seeds that God put into the ground. You know why? Because seeds, seeds, right? What they do is seeds produce cycles. Let me say that again him. Seeds produce cycle. We are eating off what God originally had put in the ground because those seeds produce cycles. That's why it's so important that even financially you invest seed because that seed can start to take harvest, right? If, if, if I have just one apple, that apple can have seeds in it. That's, those seeds can produce an apple tree that I could probably eat off of for the next 50 years of my life if I know the power of a seed. But watch this. I thought this was so interesting that God put this in the word of God, that he put seeds in the ground. But the Bible says God would not even let it rain on those seeds. He didn't want those seeds to produce a harvest until there was somebody to manage the harvest. In other words, God didn't let it rain until there was a manager there to manage the crops. That's how important stewardship is to God. And see, I believe that some of us are like, God, make it rain on me. And God's like, I want to pour out the rain, but can I find a manager and a steward that's going to steward this crop and what I give to you well? And I believe that there are some of us in this room, we are not seeing the rain and the financial blessing of God. You know why? Because God is holding and waiting for us to be better managers. Can I hear a good amen? I mean, listen, think about this. God did not send the rain because he did not have someone to steward it well. But I want you to think about this more even in your own, in your own life. I think this is so powerful. You know, there are seeds that God has placed in your life. I'm talking about seeds of greatness. I think that's why many Americans are frustrated because there is this tension of there's greatness inside of me, but I'm kind of living a mundane life. I'm kind of living a routine life. I'm stuck in traffic. I'm doing this. And I always tell people, especially college students or people going into college, you need to do what you love with your life because then it's not work. If you do what you love, you got to do it. I love what I do. That's why I can work so many hours and my wife's like, okay, that's it. That's enough work because I just, I get lost in it and I, I really do love it. But I want you to think about this. There is greatness in you. There is still potential in you. Potential is the things that you have not done yet. There are some of you in this room, you've done amazing things in your life. Man, when you look back over, you're like, wow, that was amazing. Can I tell you, that's not all potential. That's past already. And what God wants to do is he wants to bring, bring uh, potential out of you. And how do you bring potential out of a person? you got to place a demand on that person, right? I have my iPhone, whatever it is, 8 or whatever this thing is. I don't even know. I have to ask Tom. He works at the Apple store. This is amazing. Right now, it's asleep. 
And it's got a ton of potential to do a whole bunch of things. But you know what? It's not going to do anything until I turn it on and press play on Spotify. When I press play on Spotify, it will demand what's inside of them to come out. This is why, you know what, (laughs) places a demand on your life to bring out the potential is work. Work is actually what places a demand on you to bring what's on the inside of you out. And listen, there are seeds inside of you of greatness. I'm telling you that there is so much potential in this room. There are books that have never even been written yet in this room that are in seed form in your life. I'm telling you that there are business ideas that have never been started yet. I Every time I get and walk into Starbucks, I get so upset. I'm like... I gotta come up with this idea. <laughs> Did you ever think about that? Serving coffee, making billions of dollars, but I didn't. I didn't come up with it. Right? People who had the idea of serving yogurt. And we're gonna call it not Disneyland, yogurt land. Guess what? I didn't come up with that idea, but somebody did. And you know what I'm saying to you today is there's such greatness on the inside of you. There are seeds. There's worship songs that have still not yet to be written. I always think, and I love Hillsong, and there's a lot of great worship teams out there. But, you know, they came out years, years ago with Shout to the Lord. It was awesome. It was amazing. And and, and we're sitting there going, man, this is an amazing song. There's never going to be a song that's going to that's going to top Shout to the Lord, right? And then years later, they do it again. Oceans, right? Every, you're not a church unless you sing Oceans. Oceans. Oh my goodness, right? Play Oceans, Oceans. And then all of these other songs. My church family, what I'm saying to you is that there's still more inside of you seeds that God wants to rain on. And I want to tell you, and maybe you'll get a little excited. I really believe that's why God has us in this series. Because I believe that in this church, there is coming a rain that's going to come into this church and into your life. And the people of this church... The people listening to this podcast, there is a rain that's coming to your life to nurture the seeds of greatness. I'm glad four people got excited because we'll party with those four people. And I believe that that's why God is continuing this theme of management because he's waiting to pour out the rain. I say this a lot. We are not waiting on God God is waiting on us. My church family, the rain is ready. But here, here's what happens. Are you ready? Because according to Genesis 2-4, he's not pouring out the rain until you're ready. And so what I want to do is large, enlarge my capacity. What I want to do, and, and, and I love this scripture. It's a scripture that I've meditated on. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has yet imagined what God has to prepare for those. In other words, there are still things that people have not even imagined on the sphere of imagination. There's still things that people have not imagined. And you know what? He has them prepared for the people of God and that we could make a difference, a creative difference in this world. And I honestly believe my church family, listen, I don't say this like it's coming to our church. It's coming to your life. Come on. Can we get excited about the rain that is about to come? 
But can I tell you, here's kind of what we do as Christians. What we do as Christians is we pray. Like we're praying for this big thing, but then we don't do anything. We're like, well, I'm just praying. I'm just praying. My church family, can I just tell you, that's not how it works. You don't just pray for the big thing and then do nothing. You pray for the big thing and then you put your hand to do to whatever is in front of you and whatever is in your hand. You work that thing. You pray big and you work the small. You pray big and you work the small. Because listen, if you can't work the small, you're not gonna get to the big. Whatever you have right now in your hand, work it with all your might. Work it with all your might. If all of I got is a microphone, if all of I got is I'm putting bags and asking people, would you like a bag? Would you like a bag? Would you like a bag? Yes, I'd like a bag. Okay. How many bags would you like? If that's all I have to do all day at Stater Brothers, you know what? I'm going to work it and I'm going to do my best. But what we do is we despise where we're at because we're praying for the big. But the Bible says you have to be faithful in the little and whatever is with in your hand to do, God can make that prosper. Come on. Can I hear a good amen? So you have to work something small before you can, and it can turn into something big. And if you're not doing something with what you have right now, my church family, it's an indicator that you're not going to manage the blessing that God has for your life. Now, listen, I want to preface what I'm talking about because I'm not talking about today doing right and wrong to get God's good graces or getting his good graces. Listen, Jesus took care of that right? We have faith in God that he forgives us of our sins, that we have grace. I'm not talking about that in salvation. I'm not talking about earning blessings. What I am talking about is I'm talking about using the keys of the kingdom that God has given you and I to unlock more blessings that he has in our life. And he wants to. And here's, here's the, I just, I look at God sometimes. I'm like, God, why would you do this? But this is the God that he is. He lets us choose. He lets us choose because life is choice driven. Life is choice driven. We make our choices and then our choices make us. And a lot of times we can choose what we want to choose, but we don't always get to choose the consequence of that. And so life is choice driven. And here's what we got to understand about blessings. When we make the right choices, they're actually blessings that are built into every right decision that you make. Every right decision that you make, there's blessings built in. Can I have a good amen? And let's just be honest. But when you make the wrong decisions, the curse is just the result of our disobedience. I think people really think that God is up there cursing people. God doesn't curse people. What happens is we are just, we are just experiencing the result of bad decisions and consequences, right? That comes with the curse. When Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, when God was telling them everything that was gonna happen, it wasn't because God was saying, this is what I'm gonna do to you. This is what God was saying. This is a result of your decisions. I never wanted this for you. I want, as a matter of fact, he said, you are free to eat of every tree. Isn't that amazing, that word freedom? You're free to eat of every, and that's not where they ended up. They ended up evicted from the garden, sitting outside, right? And obviously God already had a plan, but my church family, I think sometimes we don't think that our bad decision, oh, it's no big deal. Yeah, God will forgive me. He will forgive you, but sometimes there's consequences. I always tell people forgiveness is not the issue. God will forgive you, but there's still consequences to that. 
And so, but when we make the right decisions, guess what? There's blessings built into that. And so because of what Jesus did on the cross, you and I, we're living under this open heaven. The heaven is not closed. God is ready and willing to make it rain. But watch this. My actions on earth is what makes heaven accessible to me. Or the actions on earth that I refuse to do, it won't rain at all. And I really believe that God is ready for that. And my church family, I need heaven on my side. I lived against heaven for 19 years. Did not believe in God. It was the worst 19 years of my life. But I will tell you, thank God it was only 19 years. <laughs> and thank God that in 19 years, I got down on, on my knees and said, God, I need you in my life. I've tried everything. But I'll tell you what, I was not living right, really uh, with the blessings of God. I was living in rebellion. And yet the heavens were open. And yet the blessings were ready. And I just say that because I think even sometimes we'll look at people and go, whoa, man, you know, wow, look at the blessing on their life. But yet we're not willing to do what they did to have that blessing. We're not willing to do that. And we're living our life the way we think. And the Bible says we're supposed to trust in the Lord, right? And lean not to our own understanding, right? But for this to happen, there's got to be a change in our thinking. And we have to have a bigger mindset than just like this immediate, right? Uh, immediate world, this world, we have to have an eternal mindset. And when it comes to managing, right? What I think what happens is this is a, a little thing I think that happens to us, a little thing that we all start to think about. I think about it when it comes to managing, right, and wanting blessings. Many of us get caught up in the mindset, but you know what? I want more, and I want it right now. I want it right now. I want it right now. I want to tell you about this guy in the, in the Bible. His name is Esau, and he was supposed to get a blessing from his father. He was in line. It was supposed to be Abraham Isaac and Esau, but it didn't work out that way because Esau made some decisions and uh, that really thwarted his, his opportunity for that blessing. So it became Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And what's interesting is that the Bible talks about these two twins, Esau and Jacob, and turn over to Genesis 25, 29. I want to read that real quick. But Esau was supposed to get the birthright. The older son was supposed to get the blessing, which meant he was going to get money. He was going to get land. He was like the oldest son and he was going to get, man, this, this nation that was supposed to be his, but he wanted something at the wrong time. And here's what I like to say. The right thing at the wrong time is still the wrong thing. Take that into relationships. I know when I dated my wife, if I would have dated her a year before, it wouldn't have worked out because she was studying. She was getting her physical therapy license. She was so busy. I actually met her right at the right time when she had just graduated and she was ready to date. But I think that timing is, is so important. And when you read about Esau and Jacob, they were born and Esau came out. When he came out, the Bible says he was like this hairy guy. Like, I mean, literally hair all over his body. Look like, have you ever seen like when, when a, a, a cat does a hairball? And it's right on, on, the, on the rug. And it's like, that's what, how Esau looked when he was born. It's like, oh, that's a really cute, what, what is that? 
hair all over his body. Ladies, you would have loved it. Hair on his back, hair on his neck. I mean, he was just this hairy guy. And then as he came out of the womb, then Jacob came out and his name actually means heel grabber because he, he, he had his hand, he was grabbing Jacob's heel. So he came out like this and Jacob had like a smooth body. Like he was, he was real, I mean, totally opposite. Esau was the hunter. He liked to go out. He's like the LeBron James fan, right? Probably like the LA Raiders. I mean, you know, that kind of guy. And then you have Jacob, who is kind of the smooth guy. He was like, you know, inside the kitchen watching Chopped, right? And with, um, he was like putting the stew together, watching the cooking channel. And that was Jacob, two polar opposite people, brothers, right? He was in the kitchen, right, watching Bobby Flay, right, uh, Cupcake Wars. Oh, I love it. And, and so Esau's out. I'm going to go get some game, man. I'm, I'm going to hunt. And, uh, and what happens was Esau comes back from hunting, and he starts to get really, really hungry, right? And here is Jacob. He's outside. He's making some of his world-famous chili, and he's got, he's got some lentils in there, right? We would say in Spanish he was making menudo. And so he was just... And in Genesis 25, 29, it says, once Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. So I guess um, Esau was from Britain. I don't know. So he was famished. And so he said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. That is why they called him Edom. Verse 31, Jacob replied, watch this. Here, here comes the manager in Jacob. I'll give you some of that stew. But how about you first sell me your birthright? This isn't, you want a bag with that? This is, uh, how about you give me your birthright? How about you give me that blessing? How about you give me your place? Verse 33. But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. How many of you know you cannot eat stew without bread? Come on, somebody. Okay, for all of you looking at me weird, gluten-free bread. How many of you know that you cannot eat stew without bread, right? And he ate it and he drank. Watch this. And then he, he got and he left. I think these next few words are probably the most depressing words in Scripture. So Esau despised his birthright. Let me say that again. Esau despised his birthright. What Esau did is Esau took an eternal thing and turned it into a temporary pleasure. I think this is where we can get, um, we can be deceived when it comes to God's blessing. Well, I want more. I want the blessing. I want it to rain. I want it right now. And so what Esau did is he made a long-term decision with his passing feelings. Oh, you know what? I, I want this right now. And he was willing to give up, watch, his future for something temporary. Listen, what he wanted wasn't wrong. It was right. It was right. Jacob wanted the blessing. The blessing was going to come. Listen, he, the blessing was going to come to, to Esau. But Esau gave up something so valuable for something temporal. Can I just encourage us today? You want to talk about mismanagement? Esau totally mismanaged his blessing, totally mismanaged his birthright. And I think that we can come to these places too. I have, right? Where you make decisions. Just He made a decision just because he was hungry. Do you know that feelings of hunger come and go? 
You don't need to sell your birthright just because you're hungry. Can I just tell you this, right? We can make decisions, especially single people, even married people make decisions when they're lonely, right? Can I tell you that loneliness comes and goes? Please don't ever marry somebody for you because you are lonely. Oh, poor them. Oh, oh, I was lonely. And you came and when I saw you, I was so lonely. But guess what? I'm not lonely anymore. Bye. How many of us can make feelings and make really like we can make permanent decisions in temporary situations just because we feel lust, right? Can I just encourage you again? Don't marry somebody just because you feel lust. Lust will come and go, especially when you see them wake up in the morning. I'm kidding. I'm just telling you what I see in the movies. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. It's Netflix's fault. Amazon Prime, it's their fault. Right? Can I, how many of you say lust fades, chemistry fades, and we'll make permanent decisions based on temporary feelings? This is what Esau will do. You say, Pastor Phil, what does it have to do with me? Because if you make decisions based on fleeting emotions, you can make the wrong decision and miss out on the rain that God has for you. Can I hear a good amen today? Come on. And I just think that we, we need to have a warning because the Bible says all of that stuff I just talked about, it's all fading away. It's all fading away. First John 2, 16, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. Watch verse 17. And the world and its desires pass away. I want to make decisions based on a firm foundation, on a good foundation. And listen, if we're going to be stewards of what God has and wants us to be, we can't be driven by what we feel at the moment. We've got to be driven by something bigger and an eternal purpose. Could you look at me for just a moment? I'm, I'm praying and believing that you understand that God wants to bless you so you can be a blessing. You can't bless somebody without you getting blessed. I've gone, on very, I've gone on missions trips to other country and I've gone over there to bless them. I came back more blessed because it's, it's always better to give than receive. But I want you to understand, there's a greater picture than this. The picture is this. God wants to bless you so you can be a blessing so you can make an investment in God's most valuable treasure. And that's people. All of you in this room, that come to Easter, that many of you in this room give every week. Do you know that because you give, you may not get up on the platform, you may not sing, you may not even serve, you may have given just your tithe and your offering. Do you understand that every person that gives their life to Jesus in heaven, that goes to your account, that is God's most valuable treasure is people? And so the reason why God wants to bless us to be a blessing is so we can touch a world of people and it takes money to reach out to people. I was meeting with, I was talking with a pastor yesterday and he, tell, he was telling me how his church isn't growing the way that he thought and you know that it's just hard and, and to do advertising. It takes money. It takes money to do advertising. We don't throw a whole bunch of flyers up in the air and hope that angels catch them and then take them and put them around our city. That would be called littering, right? No, we don't do that. You know what we do? We have to buy the flyers. We have to get people to go. We have to do Facebook. We're doing all that. Why? Because it's 
God's most valuable treasure is people. And so God wants to bless you so you can bless and be a blessing to people. Can I hear a good amen? And so when we do that, we're investing in something that's more eternal. You know why I want to reach more people? Because I want more people to go to heaven. I want more people to love God. I want our, our, our city to be impacted by the good news of the gospel. And you know what? The Bible says that actually Esau, after he did all this, he was sorry. He, he was really sorry. But you know what? But he didn't really repent. You know, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 16 says this. It says, Esau, who traded his birthright as a first son for a single meal. You know that afterward, when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. And it was too late for repentance, even though he begged with bitter tears. You know, some of us can make mistakes. Some of us in our lives, you know, we can make mistakes. But can I just tell us today, emotion doesn't change our situation. Discipline does. Discipline does. Have you ever tried to lose weight by crying? I have. It doesn't work. When you step on the scan, you go, Did I lose a pound? No. Emotion doesn't change anything. Discipline does. Discipline does. And here's what Esau does. And I see this a lot in churches. I love, we named our church Passion Life Church because I love emotion. I love, I, 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 I got tired of going to church and it feeling like it was a funeral every week. I'm just like, who died this week, all right? Right, I didn't, I didn't want that. I wanted a church that loved God, that man, you could feel the, I love emotion, don't get me wrong. But pure emotion doesn't change anything. It's the discipline that does. And you can walk out of here and go, man, I'm gonna be managed better. I'm excited, but never actually do the discipline. Here's what Esau did, he cried. And a lot of people think that, that repentance is apology. A lot of people, what they're doing is they're apologizing, but apologizing, I'm sorry, doesn't mean you repented. Repented means to change your mind, right? And we see this a lot in church. People will come, you know, they will pray, and oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and they will go back and live the same way that they were living. They were sorry, but they didn't do a repentance. Repentance means I'm gonna change my mind. I am going 180 degrees in another direction. I'm not going the same way. That is repentance. So the Bible says that Esau was sorry. He was sorry that he lost out on the blessing. He was sorry that he lost out on the birthright and he just cried, but he didn't repent. In other words, he never changed his mind. And I think it would be very unfortunate in my church family for you to sit through the last three or four series, the four weeks of this series and say, man, this would be cool. Yeah, I should have done this, should have done that and go right back out and never change your mind. And you know what will happen? You're never going to experience the rain. Can I hear a good amen today? And so from here on out, we can't change the past. We can't change what we've done financially, right? The past is the past, and I'm believing the past is not your future. But I pray that today that there would be a little bit of a, a stirring in you, a little bit of a conviction. Can we say that in church anymore, conviction? Because usually when you say something like that, people are like, I'm offended. No, you're convicted. People, I'm just so offended at the word of God. No, no, that's truth. 
Truth sets people free. We don't know the difference sometimes, right? I'm just so offended. No, you're convicted. That means something in your heart. God loves you enough to try to help you because he wants the rain to pour on your life. Can I hear a good amen? Change doesn't come because I feel bad or I feel good. Change comes when I change my mind. I change my mind. And so as we end, I just wanted to give you three practical steps as we talk about management and we close out this series that may help you get ready for the rain. Would you say that with me? Say, God, I want to be ready. Can you say it louder? God, I want to be ready for it to rain. I really believe that there's people in this room that God's rain is going to change your business around. God's reign, what it will do in your life, it'll bring you more clients that you didn't even work for. Can I hear a good amen? God's reign will put you in the right place at the right time for the favor that you need to go to the next level. God's reign will do that and empower you. But I want to make us ready. So here's a couple of things that I think just practical ways when it comes to financial, uh, our financial situation. All right, are you ready? Here's three principles. Number one, we need to act our wage. We need to act our wage. Let's be honest where we're at financially, right? I, here's, here's the goal, right? What if we tried to live beneath our, our means? Now, I know first thing, well, that means I'm going to stop giving to the church. Well, stop giving to God and see how far you go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just assume that you've been here for the last three weeks and you've heard that's number one. That's not even, on, that's, that's not even for rebuttal. That's, that's God's. But we act our ways. That you are honest about where you're at financially. Listen, faith is not denial. Faith's not denial. Listen to this, my church family. You want to know why we're not making a difference? 78% of our society is living paycheck to paycheck. 78% of our society right now is, is living paycheck to paycheck, not enough savings to cover bills. And you know what? Uh, if, if they didn't get paid one check, a lot of them would be really, really hurting. You know, USA Today, an article said this, and watch, this is how we think. Here's the, here's the Esau mentality, right? They, they, they asked people with $50,000, they, they, they talked about having $20,000 more and extra. And they thought people were like, man, $20,000. Wow, yeah, that would really make a difference. So they asked people with $50,000, if you had $70,000, would that really make a difference? And they're like, yeah, $70,000. I think that would help. The only problem is, is they asked people with $70,000 and they said, all right, now you have $70,000, right? Would $20,000, oh yeah, $90,000 would make the difference. 90,000, because here's what happens, and statistics prove it out. If you can't manage what you have right now, you can't manage $20,000 more. And so what I'm trying to tell you, I know we want more, but God is looking at right now what we have in our hands. Money is not the answer. Management is the answer. Can I hear a better Amen. Management is the answer, right? Money's not the answer. It doesn't solve the problems. As a matter of fact, it accelerates your problems. You know, 
Uh, I was listening to a guy who was talking about money. He was talking about how people are getting their taxes back, and yet they're spending money on their credit cards, right? They have not even gotten their money from their taxes back, and they're already, and here's the mindset, right? We want more, and we want it now. I am, when I get the money from my taxes coming back, I'm going to pay off. What, what are we going to pay off? We're going to pay off our credit cards. So when the money came in, did they pay off the credit cards? So you know these people. They didn't pay off the credit cards. They didn't. It's just mismanagement. And you know what? It's our spending habits that cause us to seek a lot of times more income. Pastor Phil, are you against more income? I am not. But listen, Proverbs thirteen seven says, one pretends to be rich yet has nothing. Why does he have nothing? Because he keeps pretending. He's got to put up this facade. He's got to be spending. He's got to put up this big facade of who he is, right? One who pretends to be rich, yet has nothing. Another pretends to be poor, yet has great wealth. And I want to issue this challenge to you, my my church family. Why? Because it's about management. I want to issue this challenge for the next 30 days, right? I want you to track every penny this 30 days. Every single penny, you know, I, a pastor friend that I was listening to was talking about a guy in his congre- congregation started to go back to his bank statements and he went through his bank statements every single penny. Now watch this. He realized he was spending $400 on Starbucks a month. $400. Some of you are like, do I have anything against Starbucks? No, I will take a bunch of free cards for my birthday that is coming up on April 17th. I will not despise that. But can I just tell you this? When you start to go through and you start to realize on your bank statements how many reoccurring things that you've signed up for, for $10 a month, $5 a month, my church family, this is about management. Can I hear a good amen? So we want to track every penny for the next 30 days and build a healthy budget. John Maxwell said this. He said, a budget is you telling your money where to go instead of you wondering where your money went. Show me the money. I can't. I don't know where it went. Put it in a budget. And guess what? I think here's the key. Success with less is the key to more. Success with less. Why? What, what is the purpose of this? Because we want to be free. We want to be able to be generous. Can I hear a good amen today? Here's number two. Are you still with us? Here's number two. Pay off debt. Come on, let's, let's say that together. Ready? Number two. Pay off. You clap more for that one than you did clap for Jesus. Come on, somebody. Come on, let's say it. Pay off debt. One more time. Pay off debt debt. Now, some of you in this room are like, I don't have any debt. We're, we're debt free. God bless you. But can you just give us a moment? Because 80% of Americans have debt. And this is including mortgage. There's some good debt. Having a house, right? That, that, those are good things. But listen to this, my church family. I just thought this is sobering. And we wonder why, well, why we got to talk about money in church? Because people are hurting. of Americans spend more than they receive each month, 43%, and borrow using their credit cards for a financial financial shortfall. Listen to this. 43% of Americans carry carry over the credit card debt every month. 43%. And then this and this. This is the good one. 
57% of Americans use credit cards and do not carry over the balance. This is what credit cards are for. You can get points, but pay them off at the end of the month and no interest. No, um, no interest. Proverbs 22, 7 says, the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. They call it MasterCard for a reason. They do not want you. Uh, Mr. Valdez, can we increase your credit limit, Mr. Valdez? No, not right now. And some of us, this right here, when we talk about money in church, you're like this. And you're exactly the person who needs to hear this. Because MasterCard is not your provider. God is your provider. American Express is not your provider. God is your provider. And what we do, like Esau, is we'll change something temporary for something in the future. I heard this statement, and it really rung true with this. You know, we talked to you about robbing God, but when you use credit cards and don't pay them off, you are actually now robbing you. You are robbing from your future. You are taking from your future. If you were to look into your future, I wonder what that would mean. But some of you are reaching into your future and robbing from it. And then when you get there, you are not free. You're a slave. And I'm telling you, God can help you if we can be a good manager. A person who is a slave, my church family, is not free. And so what we've got to do, here's what we got to do. I know it's hard, and it's going to be hard, right? I'm going to say the N-word. I know, I know a lot of people think this is a controversial word. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say the N-word. No. No. Come on, say it with me. No. Say it again. No. No. I'm not taking, I'm not going out to eat for lunch this week at work. I'm taking something from home. I'm going to save some money. I'm going to put that towards my credit card bill. I'm going to pay off. And why are we saying no? We're saying no for a while so we can say yes for the rest of our lives, right? We're going to say, we're going to able to say yes to that vacation. We're able to say yes to our, our paying off our, our kids' college, buying our kids' car. But we have to say no. Let's say it one more time because some of you really said it well. Say no. No, and we're saying no now so we can say yes later. But it takes self-control. Proverbs 25, 28 says, like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. In other words, you're vulnerable to everything. And if you lack self-control, man, you're gonna just say yes to whatever comes along. Ecclesiastes 4, 6 says this, one handful of rest and patience is better than two fists of labor and chasing after the wind. Let me say that again. One handful of rest is, uh, one handful of rest and patience is better than two handfuls of full of labor. In other words, better is one handful that my children love me than two fistfuls of, hey, I worked every single hour this week to get that corner office, right? One handful of a good marriage, a family vacation is better than two fistful because you know what? We have to make that new car payment, right? One handful of intimate friends, right, is better than two handfuls of trying to keep up with the Kardashians. Come on, somebody. And it's interesting how we'll buy, buy things. We'll buy things that we don't even need to impress people that we don't even know. As we close with this last one, that's why I said in the beginning, money issues are really identity issues because we feel like we have to have more at this moment 
And let me just tell you, you are complete in Jesus Christ. And he wants to supply your every need today. And here's number three. It's time to save for the next season. You know, the Bible uses the ant as an illustration. In Proverbs 6, verse 6, it says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways, be wise, which having not a captain. Listen, they don't even have a captain. It says they don't have a ruler or an overseer. They provide her supplies in the summer and gathers her food for harvest. My church family, this is you now investing in you and in your future. And my church family, I really believe today God is getting us ready. Will you get ready? Will you get your finances ready for the blessing that God is going to rain on you? Come on, would you stand today? Let's give God a great round of applause for his word. Come on, because it was good. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.